Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, I pray that you would um, settle us down. We've heard a lot of prayer requests and a lot of things going on in a lot of people's lives. Um, and so that can bring a weight and a heaviness as we open up your word. And I pray that you would, um, you would help us have confidence in you, that we would trust that you are going to work in all of those lives that we've just lifted to you. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen exactly how we want, or it doesn't mean that we would have all the answers, but um, we just want to submit our hearts and our ears and our minds to you, that we would listen. We would listen to you well. And that's what today we're talking about is listening. And we can be so distracted and so um, confident in our own understanding that we forget that we really know nothing. And help us to have that kind of humble heart, that we would seek wisdom and we would seek it in places other than our own minds. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Uh, today, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 15, and we're going to be talking about listening. We're going to be talking about um, how, how the book of Proverbs throughout it has this theme that we are really good at self-deceiving ourselves, that we are really good at self-deception, that part of our fallen nature, part of the brokenness from the from being kicked out of the garden because of sin is that we can put in our heads and we can put in our hearts things that go very much against God, but we justify it because we want what we want. And so it can be very dangerous and it can be very deadly. Um, and that's why you hear over and over again in one of the one the verses that we always memorize is do not lean into your own understanding, right? That you should trust God more than yourself. But... I think there's a pattern happening in our world where that's always existed, but it seems, and maybe it's just the times, and maybe it's just because of the age that we're in, it seems like that's growing worse and worse and worse. Where when you confront someone, even someone you know really well, and you say like, hey, I don't know if that's a wise idea. Hey, I'm not sure that that's exactly what the Lord wants for you. Hey, I don't know if you should do that. They go and do it anyway. And I don't just mean teenage, especially young men. Sorry, guys. Um, where it's kind of like, hey, don't do that. And your response is, hold my beer. And you do it anyway. Like, that, I don't just mean that. I don't just mean foolish being dared into things. I mean being slowly pulled into things that are going to be destructive to us. That are not going to be wise or helpful for us. Um, and then if you have people around you saying, hey, I don't know that's a good idea. I don't, I don't what are you doing? Um, and our response is, well, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know... Instead of taking wise counsel, we just reject it and push it away because it doesn't fit what we want. And so we have to be careful with that. And that's what Proverbs 15 really opens us up to. Um, but it's really the story of how to wreck your life. If you want to wreck your life, then be a fool. And it often has a beginning in not listening to others. When people that love you and know you and want to be near you and want to help you through situations and you try to talk to them, and they don't want to listen. Because they've already got their minds made up, or they already know, or they think that they are above your wisdom, or they're smarter than you. And you see this, I mean, we all see it. If you've had kids, they always think they're smarter than you. Especially when they hit that, I always thought it would be when they hit like the teen, but I think it really starts about like 10. And sometimes, two, starts at two. Thanks, Marissa. <laughs> And then you have like these seasons of, no, I know more than you. I know more than you. And I was, a, we're all, we all did it. And if I'm sure you all that are older than teenagers, it probably hit this moment where 
you look at your parents, maybe you have a conversation when you're visiting and you're like, you know, you were right about those things you warned me about, but I just wouldn't listen and I had to do it my way. And we get our own bumps and bruises. And, and then as an adult, you're just sitting watching people and you're like, I, I wish you would just listen. I've been down this path. I've seen this happen before. I've been around the block a time or two. And I, I, can lead some, I can lead some help to this. I can lend some wisdom. I can help you not go through the same things. And people just don't listen. And then you watch them go through it all over again. And you try in your kindness not to say, I told you so, at the back end of it. But you're thinking it the whole time. Right? Or maybe I'm the only jerk that does that. So you have to be very careful because there is a way when people just don't want to listen. Um, and I've, my kids are in that same boat. Hey, you know, you should probably do this and this and this. And I don't want to just like dictate to them and tell them and yell at them. And I mean, they're, they're young adults. That doesn't just grounding because it doesn't work. But you're hoping they'll come along and listen and then eventually come to their own conclusions or maybe listen to wisdom and go, oh, dad, you're right. I wish I would hear that a little more often, but maybe soon. So Proverbs 15, this is going to be our anchor passage. Um, and we're going to go in a couple other areas, but if you're going to put your finger in your Bible, this is where we'll be. Um, verse 31, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So this anchor is, we got three things happening here. Um, it's the physical act of listening. It's, it's having people in wise counsel around you. Do you listen to others who you've trusted in your life? Whoever ignores this instruction, it's really almost self-hatred. That you don't want to listen to other people because you're just, you think you've got it all figured out. But someone who listens to that reproof, so you've got wise counsel, you've got correction. There's someone who listens to someone who actually corrects you. This is just listening, picking the people you listen to. This is the people you love correcting you, and then it's actually understanding that you don't have it all figured out. The humility, the, the, the fact that we need Jesus more than we need our intelligence, more than we need our experience, is what leads to great wisdom, and so you're not a fool. The year that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Um, who do you listen to? Do you have wise counsel around you? Not listening to wise counsel is the mark of a fool. And it doesn't, it can be everything from buying a home. I remember when we first moved here, Bob came and looked at the house for us and he helped. Like, I don't know everything about homes. I've, I'm a professional homeowner, which means I break things. And I don't know every little detail. So we hadn't been here very long, just a few months. And Bob's reputation preceded him. He's like, hey, could you come take a look at this for me? Looked at the house, checked it out, said it's not going to fall apart today. And we bought the house. Cars. My dad is always the go-to guy. Even now. Like, my dad can fix any vehicle. He's done it all. He's old school. There's still guys in my hometown that will show up and say, uh, Chuck, we've scanned this. We've done this. We've... We can't really figure it out. It keeps throwing these codes. And then he goes and grabs his stethoscope off the rack. And he puts it in his ears and he has a long metal tube. And he'll listen to the engine. And he's like, well, you know, these lifters, you know, lifter two is out. You didn't torque it right. 
well, but we had it. And he's like, well, just here, listen. It's, I can tell it's off. That's what's throwing your codes. Oh, well, the, the computer didn't tell me that. Yeah. Maybe you ought to be around cars a little more than just plugging in video games to them. And that he's a little grumpy, and he gets like that. But I'm going to call him. Hey, Dad, what's going on? He helped me fix our Nissan Altima in West Virginia over FaceTime. Well, you need this socket. He knows exactly what the socket is. And you put the wrench and do it like this and reach back there and don't be careful because it'll fall. If it falls, you're going to be toast, but you can get it. And I changed an auction center. It's like you're going to call the people that you that are experts in things. You're going to call the so that but then it even gets into your life with wise counsel. Like every major decision in the last at least 20 years that my family's gone through or we've done, I've brought people in to like, I, I don't know if I trust myself in this. When we, when I was discerning whether it was time to leave the church in West Virginia, Mike, who you, I just asked you to pray for, is one of the three men that I said, hey, can you meet me at the church? Some stuff's going down and I just need you to pray for me. And I told them, these three men that spoke at my ordination. And I'm like, hey, I really think the Lord's saying it's time to leave this place. And they all looked at me and Mike's the one that said, I wondered when you were finally going to realize that. And it had been a lot of tension in the church, and a lot of stuff was going on, and there was they knew that I was hanging on, and I was trying to serve, and they knew that I was, they felt I was called to lead a church, and it was time, but I just didn't feel released by God, and they just immediately were like, well, yeah, and they prayed for me, and prayed. they didn't pray that it was the right decision, because they already felt that coming. What they prayed is that for the next transition, what was going to happen, and I trusted those guys. And if they had told me, no, Mike, we don't feel that that's what God's saying, then I'd still be in West Virginia. Because in those moments of emotion and tension and you're trying to figure things out and you feel like God's speaking, but you also have your own desires and you need to bring some people in that are going to speak to you unfiltered. And even the last five months, everything that was going on in my house, the elders knew before Christmas that there was serious things happening in the house and then when we got back from christmas break they knew everything and then some deacons were brought in too the staff got brought in like there wasn't it wasn't just a nobody knew these things like it it was i, I when you're in that emotional kind of place and things are all over and you can't trust your own heart you can't trust your own you have to bring wise people in now i'm not saying you have to you're going to Walmart, and you've got a choice between the Sam's Choice or the name brand, and you've got to call someone, and I can't discern which one is going to taste better when I cook with it. Like, he gives you wisdom, but when things are really going crazy and rocky, like, do you trust, do you have people around you that you can say, hey, I need to make some decisions, and I need some help? That's an ear that listens to this life-giving reproof, correction. Do you have people that, can, that you've trusted that can get you out of the warped reality that you create. Because we all are prone to quickly say, you know, I, I've got it all figured out. This is what I feel is the right decision. I'm going to do this. And the people that love you that you share life with, they're going to say, I don't think that's a really good idea. And that could be about anything. Decisions in relationships, decisions in your home, when you're, having, you're struggling with your kids, you're struggling with grandkids decisions, financial planning, all these things, like if you, if it's not an area of expertise, or even if it is an area of expertise, you, you have to be cognizant of your ability to deceive yourself. We can talk ourselves into anything, can't we? We find a random Bible verse, I think that says that I can do what I want. 
really. It's not really how that works. In Proverbs 12, 15, a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. A fool rejects the wise counsel. If you know these people, and you love these people, and they love you, and you bring them into the conversation, when they don't tell you what you want to hear, do you sit in it and listen, or do you push them away because they didn't tell you what you want to hear? Well, then you're not listening to wise counsel. If they were your trusted friends today, and then tomorrow you tell them something that they disagree with, or they're trying to correct you, or trying to show you a different way, you all of a sudden push them away? They're your friends day one, but they're not your friends day two because they just don't agree with you? That's not, that, that's, that can be the beginning of being a fool. Abraham Lincoln said, oh, sorry, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. He's, this is attributed to Abraham Lincoln. It's very, many historians are like, eh, well, we're not really sure, but it makes for a good, you know, just like this is a little historical aside to prove to you how easily we're deceived. I, I hope you all realize that Christopher Columbus knew that the world was round before he ever set sail. It's an historical fact. There was never a time when he thought he was going to fall off the earth, that he'd never believed the world was flat. Anybody that has sailed or been on the ocean knows that the world is round because you see sails that are coming up slowly. They don't just appear on the horizon. Ptolemy, the ancient Greek philosopher, way before Jesus, proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. The world is round. The idea that Christopher Columbus thought the world was flat is a lie taught by Washington Irving in the early 1900s. And it was, a, it was a way to bring about, during the time when the Italian immigrants were being marginalized, that there's this great, it's all just made up silliness. And anybody that's taken a history class by a good history teacher <laughs> would know that, or has been to college and studied, it's not, no one in the world who lived on the coast thinks the world's flat. Nobody. And that's all just was a story made up to bring about this Italian Renaissance in America, it's how many lies like that are we being told? And someone comes along and it's just logic and reason and wise counsel and like, be careful what you say. You could be retelling all kinds of silliness. Be careful. And Abraham Lincoln is telling us sometimes when you don't know things, you ought to just keep your mouth shut. Have you ever been around someone that's always, and that's what this. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinion. Proverbs 18.2. Have you ever been around, maybe this, if this is you, this is when you need to repent. Have you ever been around someone who never really listens to the conversation? They're just waiting to get their moment to share their opinion. You're telling a story, you're talking, but I've been really struggling, I think this, and you can just tell, they're not even really listening to what you're saying. They're just ready to give you their opinion. They're waiting for the break in the conversation to tell you what they think. Now, they might be just bad conversationalists because it should be a play. It should be back and forth. Or maybe you've been in an argument with someone you're really close to and really knows you well, and in the middle of the disagreement, they're not listening to what you're saying. They're just ready to tell you how wrong they are or how wrong you are, sorry. They're waiting for their moment to like to jab. They're not listening to the full thought. They're just try- they're ready to pick apart. Well, that can be 
someone who just wants to share their opinion. This has become dangerous with social media. So dangerous. Everybody with a Facebook account thinks that their opinion matters. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a right to your opinion and your thoughts, but what happened in the last 20 years where we feel we have to air all of those opinions to everyone who's out there? It becomes it's very silly to me. Like, I, I got my first Facebook account when, before you could have one. Like Originally, when Facebook first came out, you had to have a college email address before you could have Facebook. It was only for college students. You had, so I still, I was in grad school and I was teaching high school and I had a um, indiana.edu email address. And so I was able to get it and no one else could. And then in the middle of high, two years later teaching high school, then they allowed if you had a high school email address. So you had to have like the, in Indiana would be the k12.in.us email address. Then you could have Facebook. And your high school students had to apply for your school to be accepted and verified, and it was only with kids. And then it opened up to the whole world. And that's when young students decided to stop. When their parents got Facebook, they said, I don't want Facebook anymore. And they moved on to a million other things. But that little window, all of a sudden, your 1,000 best friends on Facebook got to hear your opinion on everything. And you couple that with about five years before that, cable news, and we get this storm of opinions. Some of us are old enough to remember when the news was on for about 30 minutes to an hour around dinner time, and about another hour, maybe 30 minutes to an hour in the evening, you could get maybe two hours of news a day, and that was it. And you read the paper. Now it's nonstop. And how do they keep you engaged? Put people to fight, disagreements, arguments, and they keep you just sucked into that fight. And we all get sucked into it. And you have all these talking heads that are all around us that are experts in what? Anything that cuts to commercial is not, you have to look at it with a grain of salt. If you need an advertiser and you need sponsors, you've got to be careful. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinion. we got lots of people that love to espouse their opinions. And you tunnel in a little bit. Where'd that come from? Could you cite your source, please? Okay. I was a history major. I couldn't write a paper without my according to's. You couldn't form an opinion without saying, according to this author, this book, this page, my idea is correct because according to previous research, this justifies what I'm saying. I can't get up here and preach and not have thought through the scriptures, read a commentary, spent time, consulted the spirit, led by God, and then lay it out to you. I can't just get up here. Well, my opinion is that this says um, Abraham Lincoln is the 13th member of the disciples. And you'll go, what? Well, yeah, I mean, I know it's several thousand years removed, but... I mean, Abraham Lincoln had a great quote, and I put it with the proverb, so he's the one. I think he was the incarnation of Thomas. <laughs> you can't just throw ridiculous, insane things out there. You have to have a discerning mind, or you're going to get sucked into everybody that has an opinion. And we see it even worse now amongst younger people, because if they're sucked into 
TikTok, mostly YouTube, especially when it comes to faith. There's a million guys on the internet that are trying to throw away the scriptures, toss out the biblical truth, and they put videos together, and you ask them, okay, well, and I'm not saying you have to have a degree to have knowledge, but you ask them, well, why do you think that? Why do you think that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene? Why do you think these things? Why do you think that there is no God? Why do you think this? Well, um, I... I read an article on a blog and I watched another guy's YouTube video. Now I'm making my YouTube video based upon his YouTube video. Oh, awesome. You know that's not how intelligent people work, right? You don't just do that. And people just get shipwrecked all over the place because they feel that these opinions are true. Oh, um, a common, an author, a biblical scholar, last name Longman, says... The verse suggests that fools are again only interested in their own desires and ideas. They do not want to listen to people with competence. They only want to blurt out what is on their minds. And so these people become very hard to have conversation with because they just want to tell you what they think. Now, I love to have conversations with people that want to go back and forth. I've got this crazy idea. I think God works this way. You listen. You soak in it. You're like, you know, there might be some truth to that. There's some wisdom. I don't know. I don't think that. Now, let's go to the scriptures. Let's look at this verse. Let's see the story of what, how God did it this way. And that's fun. When someone shows up and says, Mike, we need to talk because there is no God. I don't believe in God anymore. And I've become an atheist because this, this, this. You, you know that those three things you have against God have nothing to do with whether you believe. Like, what are you doing? My favorite is when someone says, I'm an atheist. And then you talk to them, and they're really agnostic. They're open to God. They just want some more proof. And so in the first conversation, you know that's not atheism, right? That's agnosticism. Oh, I, I didn't. And so they, they love this identity of, well, I'm an atheist. It's almost like the new rebel thing. I don't believe in that stuff. And, I'm, and you talk to them, and well, I just don't have enough proof. So you're not, even, you're not even doing atheism wrong. Right. You're not even doing the atheism part right. Like, if you're going to be an atheist, be a good atheist. And if you know anybody, anybody in the atheist world, like, Charles Dawkins is not a good atheist. The atheist community can't stand him. He's, he's kind of like the kitschy, self-promoting guy that gets on TV, and he doesn't even know atheism properly. But people get sucked into him constantly. Who are you listening to? Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. You have to be able to see that when things aren't of God and people point that out to you, do you listen? When someone comes to you and says, hey, this relationship you're in, this business deal you're about to do, the, the way you're treating your children, the way that you're engaging with your friends, this isn't of God. And that's not easy to hear. When someone approaches you and comes to you and loves you and they notice something is off about you and they're saying, hey, like, I think you need to make some changes. I don't think this is, re I don't think this is good. I don't think this is right. I don't think this is bringing glory to God. That's not easy to hear. How do you respond to that? Do you respond with, well, you don't know me. Well, this is what you don't. Or do you respond with, oh, I need to pray about that. I need to think about that. I I know you love me. I know you want what's best for me. You're telling me things I don't want to hear. 
So either you've decided to not love me and you're wrong, or maybe this is something I just don't want to hear and I need to go home and have some self-examination. Why don't I want to hear this? Why am I pushing back against this? Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Do you guys like that? It's not fun when someone says, hey, you know, you're doing some, some terrible things and we think you should change. What? We take it as a personal insult. We take it as a, oh no, I've been found out. Oh no, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You think about job evaluations, self-evaluations. Like nobody likes to sit down with the people who are charged with evaluating you and they tell you what you're doing wrong. Now a humble heart, a person who grows from that would say, okay, yeah, there's some truth to that. Yeah, I need to consider that. Yeah, I need to think about that. But this proverb, Proverbs 15, would say that a fool would push back against all of it. And say, don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me how to live my life. I've, I've been good at this and really bad at this over the years. When I was much younger, I didn't let anybody tell me that I was wrong. Because it, I felt very small and weak and very not confident. And so sometimes in our lack of confidence, we come out arrogant because it's really hard to hear that. And I hope that over the years I've matured. And when someone says, hey, this isn't going all that well, or hey, we need to make some changes, that I receive it, I sit in it, I've learned to take time. If someone's mad at me, if, if I've done something wrong, I've learned to try to sit in it instead of just immediately try to justify or push back. Because I, I need to sit in that, that situation or whatever I've done. If I need to repent, then I need to repent. If I need to push back, if, I'm, if I need to have a more of a longer conversation, then you do. But it should come from a place of humility, not a place of arrogance. Stay away from a foolish person. You'll gain no knowledge from his speech. Why would you take advice or take wisdom or counsel from people who've shipwrecked their own lives? Like misery loves company kind of thing? Like if you have people that are speaking truth into your life, maybe you should go, hey, they, if they're coming and approaching it from a, like, don't do what I've done, don't do the same thing I've done, I've learned my lessons, those are, but if you're just listening to people who, who are fools themselves, you're setting yourself up to be just like them. We need to have the discernment of who we're listening to. And in the Christian world, uh, don't just trust that you go to a Christian bookstore, or you go to a website that sells Christian books, that they're all good books or people that you should listen to. I won't name names. I can later if you buy me coffee. But when I go into some Christian bookstores, sometimes I hide books that are on the shelves because I don't want anybody to buy that trash. Or, or Barnes & Noble. Like if they have some that aren't supposed to be there, like I'm like, this person's terrible. No one should ever buy this Christian book. Then I'll just at least turn the covers around so you don't see what's on the front. I know it's rebellious and it's dumb, but it makes me feel good. One time there's a women's conference that I was, I was tasked with being the, the nerd. I ran all the, the computer stuff, and they had the book table, and we were there late practicing, and then when everyone else had left and the book table people had all left, and there were two authors, they had prime spaces, and I rearranged the book table, and I put those books under the table and made it all better. 
I know it's passive aggressive, but I think I saved some people from bad theology. Be careful. Be careful who you ingest. And if you have questions, like especially when it comes to Christian literature, like there's, I can point you in some good directions. Now, I'm also willing to read stuff that I think is theologically terrible, but I'll read it with you and we can discuss. And through discernment, through we can figure this out. But there's some, there's some bad stuff out there. Um, and I know I've shared with this, this isn't 100% foolproof, but I'm pretty close. That anybody that puts their face on the cover of their book is almost a, per- a person that I don't want to read. Because they've allowed themselves to put on the face of the, the cover of the book and they're selling an image. Now, that's not 100% true. There's some really great authors that have been put it like it's, it's face recognition, name recognition. I get it. Like I had an issue. There's a, a very prominent conservative pastor who um, is very trusted and he doesn't write his own books. And I was very irritated by that because what he does is he's a manuscript preacher so he writes out all of his sermons. And then he has an editor put those together to a book form, and he publishes like two, three books a year because it's straight from his sermons, and his name is all over the top of it. But when you really do some research, his editor, his ghostwriter, who's on staff at the church, is the one that's actually compiling his books. Now, to me, that if you put the byline there, it's great. Um, put it up there. You know, here's the author, and then here's the one who edited it. I'm fine with that. But that really gets under my skin. Um, but the guy is a trusted pastor. He has, he served for faithfully for decades. He's like, I'm not saying his name because you all know him. He's most of his stuff is great, but that irritates me. That, I don't know why I even shared that. Never mind. Let's wrap this up. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Do you have a humble, teachable spirit? And that's really what I'm getting at is, are you teachable? It comes from humility. It comes from a knowledge that you are not God. It comes from a knowledge that you need him. It's it's a trusting in the gospel. That you need Jesus Christ to not just save you, but to sustain you for everything. We all have, it's the mark of the Christian walk is humility. We are declaring daily that we aren't good enough. We aren't smart enough. We aren't holy enough. We don't have the wisdom. We We're clinging to our relationship with Jesus. He's the perfecter of our faith. You are not. He's the author of our salvation. You are not. He takes away all the sins of the world. You do not. And so at the core of who we are, humility is required as as an attribute of the Christian walk because we ultimately say, I'm separated from God. I cannot be in his presence. I need Jesus' death on the cross so I can be with him forever. There's no effort in you working this out. It's all him. And so we humbly submit our lives to the one who saves us and loves us. So we have to be people of humility. And that means in our intelligence. It means in seeking wisdom. It means in not belaboring fools. Do you humbly, do you know where your weak spots are? Do you know where your struggles are? And do you bring that wise counsel in to help process through that? A fool, you've set yourself up as your own God. You'll hear people, you can hear, and I don't, I don't, you don't hear it all the time. I make cliche jokes about it all the time. That this is, you know, you don't know me, you don't know my story, 
Um, you can't judge me. You don't. I'm my own God. I know, I know my own way. I'm smart and figure this out. I have the experience to do this. Those kind of phrases are showing that you're walking the way of a fool. Now, what's beautiful is when you say that, I'm going to live my life my way. And someone you trust comes along and says, I think that's dangerous. You know I love you. You know I'm always going to be here for you. You choose the fool's path. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to, I'm going to be there to pick up the pieces. But this is going to hurt. This is going to be bad. Have you ever been around people, you see the train wreck coming? Like the, My family and I, we love to watch America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't think we just enjoy people hurting, but we do laugh a lot. When people fall and get scared and all those things, and there's some of those videos that come up, and you can see, like, oh, no. He's on a high ledge. I'm watching America's Funniest Home Videos. Somebody's falling. Someone's landing on their head. Someone is going to get hurt. We, all, we can see it. Like, you can see it coming. Like, oh, and then it hits. Sometimes we turn our heads because we can't handle it. That can be our relationships with people sometimes. We see it coming. We know, we've seen this story before. And you try to shape it. You try to change it. You try to help them. And they won't have that moment of humility. They just run headlong into what they think is right. Now, the cure, the antidote, is Jesus. Do you have a relationship with him that leads you to that humble knowledge? That you need wise counsel, you need other people. Like, that's the antidote, that's the cure to this walk of a fool, is the base core level understanding that I don't have this figured out, I need Jesus. Come to church every Sunday, read the Bible, but man, there's passages in here that I don't get. There's things in here that are hard for me to understand. I need Jesus. I need the power of the Spirit to help me understand this. I have things that I'm tempted with. I have things that I'm prone to. I have things that I'm not good at. I have things that, I, that, I, that pull me away from Christ. I need His help. So I need to spend time in prayer daily. I need to spend time in the Word. I need to spend time in Christian community. I need the church. You don't need to be part of a Christian community for salvation. But you need to be part of a community for the sustaining of your life. You need wise people. You need people that are going to be around you. People are going to support you, love you, care for you, laugh with you, cry with you, help you through. You help others. You're, you're less selfish when you're pouring yourself out. And when people are loving on you, you're helping them be built up in their own faith. Do you have a church community? Not just, well, I show up and I say, hey. I sit in a chair for a while. I listen to that amazing public speaker for 30 to 40 minutes a week. And it's, been, it's been shown to me in great grace and mercy in the last several months. The number, it was almost overwhelming and too hard to deal with. The number of people are texting, calling, checking. How are you? What's going on? What can we do? The hugs. The, like it's, oh, it was, it's beautiful, but then it's also like, man, there's a lot of people i got to respond to. When you're sick, when you're facing things, do you trust the people that you have just, the prayer requests we've just lifted up are going to be actually prayed for? 
as people are going through terrible times or going through some tough seasons, can you trust that this church family is going to be there for you? Yeah, I think we are there for people. Do we get it right all the time? No. Do things slip through the cracks? Do we mess up? Yeah, we do. But a humble church also can be rebuked and can make change. And an arrogant church, an arrogant church leadership would say, oh, we didn't do that wrong. Oh, you know, you don't want that either. So the call to us all is needing Jesus. We need to have a relationship with Jesus so that we can listen to his word. We need to have a relationship with the word of God so that we can bring that thoughtful, humble correction to our friends and we can also humbly receive it. So where are you at in your walk in foolishness? We all have things that are blind spots. We all have things that, that God wants to speak into. We think that it's hidden from him. We think that he doesn't know. We think that no one's ever going to find out. We think that no one's going to press in on us. We all have them. What's yours? And it's time to humbly give that to the Lord. And if you need help, that's what we're here for. And I pray that you have some people in your life that you can call up at any moment and they'd be there to help. They'd be there to support. They'd be there to clean up. They'd be there to hug. They'd be there to help hide the bodies. Not literally. That's a thing for law enforcement to deal with. The people that you trust deeply that you can share anything with. And when they speak into your lives, do you listen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that we do have access to you, that we don't need to have any special... Um, arrangement, any special setup, we can just cry out your name. That you're here for us, no matter what. That when we come into a relationship with you, it's not a um, one and done kind of thing. We don't receive our get out of hell free card and then move on with our lives and do it the way we want. Instead, we ask you to shape us and to change us, to form us um, each and every day, one step closer to being great reflections of your love. And I pray, Lord, as we are bombarded with so many influences from all around us, that we wouldn't be sucked into things that aren't of you. We are all prone to, as we talked about last week, we can be prone to gossip, we can be prone to um, listening to terrible voices, we get caught up in the moment. So help us, Lord, to have that kind of humble discernment, that we would only let the things of you enter deep into our hearts. And help us to be good friends and good family. That we wouldn't just let our brothers and sisters flounder. We wouldn't let them go down dark roads and never say a thing. But instead, we can be part of rescuing people from that train wreck. And I pray you'd give us the boldness and the confidence to do so. It's loving to enter into that kind of mo that mode and that, that realm of helping each other. And the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. It's when we just say, eh, they're going to do it themselves. When we see it coming, we know what needs to be said, and we do nothing, that kind of apathy can be a big sign of our own lack of confidence in you. So help us, Lord, to be humble, but help us also to walk in the boldness of the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.